This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, and the new number one team in the country, <laughs> the Duke Blue Devils. We had an interesting, we had an interesting Friday night, and we're going to talk about that Georgia State uh, in our first recap. Then we're going to talk about our favorite segment, the overreactions. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about a few different uh, hot topics on what's more likely to happen. Then we'll cover our signing day, all of our new recruits that were inked last week. And then finally, we'll give you a preview of the Empire Classic coming up this Thursday and Friday up in the big city at Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden. Back again. AC, <laughs> uh, let's start out with the Georgia State game. It was ugly. It, yeah, uh, it was a battle the entire way. Uh, we gave uh, Kentucky a really hard time uh, when they were number one after <laughs> losing to Evansville, and then we come out and, and have a battle on our hands against Georgia State. Yeah, but it, we won. But we did win. We did win. Uh, in 74-63. It was uh-huh. ugly. It was ugly. So yeah. we're going to start there. But we are going to be number one, so a win is a win. But we got a lot of things to work on coming out of this team. Yeah, first, let's work on not playing any more Friday night games. I swear, I promise you, this is not just me being cynical. I swear there there has to be some kind of stat, if we look back in history, that Coach K and Duke on a Friday night just do not mix. I promise you, man. Like, this, like it's, it's just ugly. It's always ugly on a Friday night. I don't know what it is. Maybe K wants to get out to the clubs a little early. I'm not sure. But this game was definitely an ugly one. K mentioned that Georgia State was a team that, didn't necessarily worry him, but he wanted to see how his team would perform against them because of the athletes that they offered. And their athletes were on full display because they were they were definitely giving us a run on the defensive end on, or on the offensive end on their part, on our defensive end. We weren't able to just impose our will on defense like we had been in games past. We still kept them to 63 points. We still kept them under... 50% shooting, but they hit 40% of their threes, and they were, they were definitely efficient in that first half. Second half, we regained control, but it, it was rough, man, and we couldn't score on them the way you would have liked to, to have seen a team score the ball. So that's going to be the continuing narrative is this team on offense is just it's not it's not a developed team on offense yet. There are There are guys that can do things on the offensive end of the ball. We have we have guys that can offer different skill sets on the offensive end of the ball, something we didn't have last year. So that's promising. But, you know, innocent until proven guilty, in this case, proven innocent, we are, we just are not a good defensive team yet. We're not efficient and we still struggle and guys are still finding ways to use their skills to, to help this team on offense. And it's just, it's a developing piece. Yeah, the, the good news is, if you want to take a silver lining, that we have a lot of different options. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. all but two of those options showed up on Friday night. And, yeah. you know, if you have to rely on Trey Jones going four of eight from three to basically carry you to the finish line, I think we're going to be in trouble. Uh, you know, Alex didn't really show up. You know, Matthew Hurt couldn't get anything to fall. Mm-hmm. Joey Baker, we'll talk about him in a second, you know, did hit two out of five threes, and that was huge. But really, you know, outside of Ronan Carey and Trey, we were abysmal uh, shooting the ball. Uh, even Cash, he had his worst shooting performance uh, in a Duke uniform. Lendell still couldn't figure it out. Uh, Jack White, 
for all the great things that Jack White does, he just can't seem to shake the the, the lack of confidence that he has in, in his shot. It's, it's really upsetting because he's such a good player. He does all of the other things that you want, especially in a senior leader. He is he gets down. He's so tough. I love having him on the court, even when he's not shooting well. I love having him on the court. But but we got to be real about this, okay? We said coming into the year that we're going to have to exercise a lot of patience with this team. This was this was more like the kind of team I thought we'd be putting on the court, especially earlier in the season. The good news is, as we've mentioned earlier in the, the first couple podcasts, the defense will be there, luckily, to keep us in ball games. But really, if you can't go 7 of 28 from 3, you can't shoot 34% from the field, and then an abysmal 17 of 29 from the free throw line, that just can't happen. But let it, let's, let's talk about the positives. It was a career night for Trey Jones. That was as good a, a performance as I've seen Trey have in the Duke uniform. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, he put the team on his back and just willed us to that 11-point cushion, you know, in the first four minutes of the second half. Absolutely. And early on in our podcast season of this year, we talked about how Trey looks to be the same player. In terms of looks, yeah, it looks to be the same player. But that dynamic he showed in being able to take the ball coast to coast after rebounds, get his own layup, get his own shot, and, and really force the action. Just put, like you said, put the team on his back and get scores when you need it. That's what you want to see out of a point guard. And that is something I don't think was a part of his repertoire last year. Yeah. It, whereas this year, obviously, he has it now. And then that's against Georgia State. He has it now. But, man, like, I, I love seeing it. I, I loved watching him do that. I love seeing the intensity on his face when it was happening. And... Yeah, that's a side you want to see out of him, and that's something you definitely want to see out of out of someone who he's only a sophomore, but I, I think of him as almost like a senior leader. Like I think of him in that vein where that that's something that he gives us. It was great to see that. Great to see him put the team on his back. It was great to see Joey come in when five out of six of your best scoring options couldn't find the bottom of the bucket. For God's sakes, Vernon Carey missed two dunks. He missed two point blank dunks, two handed. Like nothing was falling for us on this night and to see Joey Baker come in and, and have a role and, and really honestly just be, be a leader for this team. Like his, the floor slap was incredible. I love seeing it. Hated having to see it against Georgia state, but I did love seeing him bring that tenacity and intensity. And the, the floor slap is not what bought him time with K. It was, it was how he played defense. He played a solid, he did a solid job on defense against guys who are much more athletic than him. And that's been, my narrative on him is that playing against more athletic teams would not showcase what he can do. It actually would put him in a hindrance. And really, quite honestly, he looked very good uh, on defense for the most part uh, against this Georgia State team that was really putting a focus on getting to the cup. So that was really awesome to see him do that and and, and help this team out in a way that they really needed help. But the, the one last thing I want to touch on is... You know, you mentioned this team having multiple scoring options, and it's it's going. We talked about versatility with this team. Shot, we have we have that versatility on offense. The only I've always said this: when you have a team that has so many different scoring options, who who's going to take the last shot, or who's going to take the big shots when you need them? And we posed this question very early on in the season. That's always the one thing I worry about with a team that is so balanced. After this game, 
at least for now, it looks like it's going to be Trey, and yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm I'm okay with that. Like he he put a lot of he put a lot of fears that I might have had about it to the side because his his performance was excellent. Yeah, no, I can't argue the fact that I would put you know the ball in Trey's hands. You know, it should always be in his hands, and obviously his usage rate will show that early on. But we said early on uh, that there are going to be most nights uh, that he's going to play 40 minutes a night. And mm-hmm. we're, we have we have to have that. Uh, that's just the, the way that we're built. And that's not a terrible thing. It's college basketball. That happens. Yep. Um, one thing that I don't want to see happen is another lineup of Trey Jones, Jordan Goldwire, uh, Wendell Moore, Jack White, and Javin Delarier uh, on the floor at the same time. That, yeah, that yeah. Is, that is the worst possible combination of players that we have to score the ball. And not only that, but it makes Trey Jones have to work so much harder and expend so much more energy because those other four guys, uh, you know, Wendell's just not there yet. And we know mm-hmm. what Jack's going to give us. He's going to give us the offensive mm-hmm. rebounding, um, the occasional three, but really it's hot potato when he's touching the ball or when it's touching the hands of Jordan Goldwire, Jack White, and Javon Delarier. So that, that lineup, I think, that experiment's over, unless yeah. you know there's unless there's a scenario where like you know we're up to, and they have the ball with like the, the the opposition has the ball with like four seconds left, and you want to put your best defensive unit out there, that, then go ahead. That's one thing. Um, but other other than that, that that lineup experiment's over. Um, I, I don't. I agree. That. I don't. I don't want to see that ever again. Um, but let, let's you know wrap up Georgia State because there were some good things. You know, I, I really liked the. Uh, the, the way that Ronan handled himself down low. They were doubling, tripling them the entire night. They were making life miserable for him down there. And, and yeah, I mean, they were in the zone. Yeah. They were in a zone, yeah. and he was, able to, he was able to get the ball in the zone, and, and, and he got shots out of that. So moving forward with a team like Syracuse or some of these teams we'll see in the tournament, maybe even a UConn or a Florida who plays, who plays pretty good zones, that's good to see that you can, you can get the ball that low in a zone and get a shot out of it. Yeah, I mean, he responded, obviously, with, with 20 points, 14 boards, seven of them on the offensive variety. Duke actually set a uh, Duke record with 30 offensive rebounds in this mm-hmm. game, but as Coach K... Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a typo when they popped it up. They they popped no, it up with, I like, mean, three minutes left in the game, and it was like, we had 28, and they had eight, and I was like, there's no way. There's no yeah, way. Th- yeah, and then you start thinking about it, you're like, yeah, well, actually, yeah. in the last possession alone, Matt Hurd had three. It's insane. You know, Matt Hurd actually had six uh, offensive rebounds and zero mm-hmm. defensive rebounds. I, I talk yeah. about typos. Uh, <laughs> but but really, all that means is that you're missing a, a boatload of shots. So, right. hey, look, again, we got the win. It's what we needed uh, because of that. And the, the first three wins of our season, we're now 4-0. And mm-hmm. unless something crazy happens, uh, we'll be the new number one team in the country uh, come, uh, come Tuesday. So that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Uh, let's switch gears to uh, our favorite segment. Next this um, yes. is our yeah our overreaction segment, which uh, yes. got got rave reviews in uh, from our <laughs> from our listeners. Uh, this one's actually brought to you. We, we have a sponsor, AC. <laughs> Another yes. We actually got a couple uh, ad uh, ads leaked over from the ACC network. So this uh, is sponsored <laughs> by the Laser X Laser Tag. Uh, I know oh, you love laser sweet. tag. I know oh, you I love, love it, laser man. tag, playing with the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, 
So this uh, this the overreaction uh, uh, segment is. That's also an by, overreaction, by the way. That is, <laughs> yeah, uh, so the laser X laser tag segment. Uh, all right. So the first one is uh, after Georgia State and Trey Jones went four of eight from three. Overreaction? Are you going to allow that Trey is now a reliable three point shooter? Ooh, yikes. I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. There was something about the shots he was taking, and we took note of it in, in Madison Square Garden. The threes he was taking in the garden were flat. They were off the dribble. They just, they were not good-looking shots. Against Georgia State, the shots, whereas for a lot of guys, the standstill three is very difficult. For Trey, the standstill three for him looked really natural, and the arc on his shot was beautiful. His release points were great. His follow through and form was was exceptional. I thought it, it looked like it looked like someone who is adept at shooting three point shots. Quite honestly, so we saw this last year against Virginia Tech, where he had you know he had multiple threes in a game, but last year he did only have three games all season where he made more than one three. I think that number goes up this year, especially if it looks the way if if he if the shot looks the way it did, and if he gets the shots that he got, then it's absolutely going to be that way. And I think teams are going to shade off of him. Until he starts proving to be somewhat of a reliable three-point shooter, I, I think I, th- I think it comes down to what you said earlier. When we saw him uh, at halftime of the Kansas game, his shot, you know, during warmups looked completely different than his shot on the yeah. floor. But that Absolutely. shot was the shot. That, but that shot we saw in Georgia State was the shot that we saw in the warmup. So if he keeps doing that, Absolutely. clearly he's working on it, and it's, it's all about confidence. That's going to work out. I agree with you. I'll allow it. All right. What's next? Yep. All right. Here we go. Your boy, Joey Baker, especially after his performance against Georgia State, has now cemented a role in this rotation for Coach K. Overreaction, or will you allow it, TK? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip-flap on this one as well. Uh, I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to say it's a slight oh, yeah, I'm no. going to say... That was an overreaction. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a very slight overreaction, and here's why. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, man, I was so hopeful. I was so hopeful. Uh, listen, man, I got to be real with my audience here. Uh, a couple reasons. You know, the, the, on the positive for Joey, obviously he came in and hit those, you know, two threes that were huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved what he did by slapping the floor, and it was more just kind of his energy and his presence on the floor mm-hmm. showing that he wasn't timid. He wasn't going to let his place on the bench being the ninth or tenth guy uh, dictate how he was going to approach the game. He wasn't nervous out there. At least he didn't show it. He uh, he played with a lot of uh, a lot of energy, and and that was awesome. And so I think that he put the coaches on notice that mm-hmm. he's he is a real candidate for one of those roles. Uh, on the other side, I look at it as you know we talked about the first three podcasts that, you know, Alex has really looked like a different, different player this year. And, right. you know, I thought that Alex really cemented his role as a starter after that third game. What mm-hmm. does Alex do? He comes back and shoots over three and looks <laughs> completely lost out there. And so mm-hmm. one of the reasons I'm going to hesitate and say this is a slight overreaction with Joey is because I thought Alex was going to do that, and, and mm-hmm. he reverted back. So I'm mm-hmm. not ready to say, okay, after one – you know, solid performance in 15 minutes that, that Joey has secured a role. 
but but he he's got he's got the coach's attention. Okay, all right, I, I can feel that. Yeah, I, I like that, and I I think you're right. I think Alex, he's he's he struggled this game. He looked like you said he looked lost. He almost looked disinterested at times, and that's that's not the consistency you want from a starter, especially on a team with a bunch of young guys. So we'd love to see Alex come back, especially in this Empire Classic, and come back as you know as, as that renewed player we saw before. Agree. All right, so let's move on to the next one. And uh, this was one that we saw nearly uh, the entire weekend uh, from your boy, <laughs> uh, Dan Dockage and, and Seth Green. <laughs> oh, this guy. Um, among, among other ACC network gurus saying that, that, <coughs> yeah, uh, saying that Duke is not overrated, but they're just flat out a bad team. Is that an overreaction, or are you going to allow it? All right, Duke fans, let's say it together. That was an overreaction. Oh, my God, dude, seriously, man. Like, the hot takes. I, I thought maybe this team was going to be a hot takeless team because we didn't have any kind of generational talent on it or anything. But, man, like, it's, it just continues. Like, I guess you have, to, you have to say something anymore and you have to talk about something. But, geez, like, so, so first and foremost, you have Dockage come out and say none of the Champions Classic teams are any good. Not not overrated, not have problems or weaknesses, are are not any good. So that already to start, that's what a statement, especially biting the hand that feeds you in, in Cassius Winston, because that guy is gonna be all over everything forever. But so Dockage comes out with that. His buddy Seth Greenberg, they hold a podcast together. Don't bother. He Greenberg comes out and, and doubles down with Dockage about the same sentiment that none of those teams are good. And he especially mentions Duke by name. He loves to do it. He also mentioned Duke by name and the uh, the Florida UConn game tonight. I'll get to that in just a second. And and then Dallin Cuff comes out and says the same thing during soccer matches of all things on the ACC network about how how this Duke team is not only are they not going to win the ACC, but he doesn't feel that they're one of the top teams in the ACC, which is just a completely off the wall statement. So it's just, it's weird to see these guys say this, especially when it's a team that has senior laden guys. Checkmark. Announcers love saying that. It's a team that plays defense. Checkmark. Guys love saying that. Yeah, I know we're development on offense, but we talent. Like obviously we have talent on offense. So it's just, it's just a weird thing for guys to say, and it's we, definitely weird for Greenberg to say during the telecast tonight against Florida and UConn when Florida is putting up fifty points against UConn on the road when you're, when you're supposed to be a prohibitive favorite to reach the final four to start the season by every analyst on the planet, including me. I thought they were going to be that good, but they have some problems, man. And, and Florida is not that team that we thought they were. So yeah, they have time to get it right. But right now it doesn't look like it. And to say it during that telecast and to say that our Duke team that is number one in the nation has proven themselves against a top team like Kansas and and has shown that they have a top skill, which is the defensive side of the ball, and to say that they're not any good, weird to me. So overreaction. That was an overreaction. Yeah, I really can't argue any of that. Do I think we're a great team? Absolutely not. Not only that, no. but I don't think that I don't think there are any great teams in the country, at least not yet. Nope. Like you said, there's plenty of time for teams to, to get to that point. But we're in a unique year where there's a lot of teams that are decent to good, but not mm-hmm. great. And we'll see, you know, who kind of takes that next step as the year evolves. And we're, we have a chance to do it. In terms of being number one, I, I think it's kind of funny. You know, I don't think that this is number one worthy type team. But in this type of year, yeah, you know, who else is going to be number one? So, exactly. yeah, we learned it. All right, what's the next? Yep. All right, man. 
So I can't, I can, uh, here we go. Javin Delorier, God love him, team captain. At this point, this point, is Javin, is he for us just 5,000? Overreaction, is that an overreactive statement or is that something you will allow? Uh, I'm going to allow it, AC. I'll allow it. And here's that. It's not, it's not an over A. Look, oh, Jeff. Look, and, and that, I'm sorry. You, know, you said it. Oh, you know, Jeff. He, I'm sorry. Yeah, you watched yeah. it. He played six minutes. He played six minutes. He had four yeah. fouls. He, yeah. not, only did he, not only did he airball a layup, but he shot it over the backboard. He yeah. Shot it, shot it over the backboard. That I've seen that once. That, that was an intramural uh, basketball at like one yeah. time. That's the only time I've seen that. Yeah, I was texting my buddy, and we were talking about uh, how we saw it once in high school. And it was by, you know, a a guy that had the rec specs on. But look, you know, it shouldn't happen from a a fourth-year, two-time captain uh, for a Duke Duke team that, you know, has multiple stars under his belt. Look, I'm sure he's a fantastic guy. Uh, The guys love him inside the locker room. He's a Mm -hmm. great rah-rah guy. He's a great athlete, but he has zero confidence on the basketball court. You can blame that on whoever you'd like. That, that, that's for a different podcast, but the reality is he doesn't have the skills to be anything other than uh, spot minutes to give Vernon Carey mm-hmm. the rest that he needs uh, mm-hmm. and, and five outs. That, that's what he is at this point. Uh, he's not he's a gotten chances. Player. He, well, look, yeah. look he's, he's not a good basketball player. That, that's no. just the bottom line at this, at this point. He had he, There was a point in the second half where he grabbed the rebound, and you would have thought that he was holding a big ball of flames, how quickly he tried to get, get rid of it, threw it at the feet of Cassius. Luckily, Cassius was able to like, grab it, and, and because it was such a horrible pass, Cassius had to like, bend down to pick it up to the point where the Georgia State guy ran into him, and it was a foul on Georgia State. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it, just, it should have been a turnover because it was such a mm-hmm. stupid Milano basketball play. And you know the thing that, 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 that really annoys me with Jab is that it's almost instantaneously, every time he does something, like he starts patting his chest, like, yeah, my bad, my bad, hand up. Mm-hmm. How about you just make the right play? How about you just <laughs> make the right play? And I'm sorry that I'm raising my voice because I'm not that kind of guy. But the reality is, you know, you're a fourth-year guy, man. You know, I'm, I'm holding you to a different standard than I'm holding, you know, Wendell Moore uh, and, and the freshman. Because, you know what? You know, you've had the time. And, you know, you, 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 for, for Christ's sakes, you, you declare for the NBA draft. Uh, mm-hmm. And you got the feedback. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go down this route. But he, he's not a good basketball player at this current juncture. And until proven otherwise, over multiple games, I tried to warn you guys last week that that the anomaly was the double-double against Michigan State last year in the tournament. And if right. you really were truthful to yourself, it was it was not that good of a double-double. It was kind of like fool's gold. It, yeah. it really wasn't, you know, and he really didn't play that well, but people like to, to, to blow it up, um, and, and it's really just not that. So, no, I am going to allow it. Uh, he's nothing more than five fouls, and really um, – that's okay for right now because I love what Jack's doing. Uh, it gives more opportunity to Matthew Hurt. Uh, it gives more opportunity to Vern. And those are the guys that should be on the court. And I love the fact that no matter if Jack White is putting the ball in the basket or not, 
Jack White does every single other thing, and that's really what you should be comparing him to. Jack White and John Delarier. Jack White gives me zero points, and I keep him on the floor for 20-plus minutes a night. That's that's because that's what Jack does. I'm okay with that. Javin does the exact opposite. So for right now, he's nothing more than five fouls. All right, it, it's it's tough love, man. I mean, we just gotta be honest, though. All right, so let's yeah. move on to our third our third segment, Next which is uh, what's more likely to happen? This one's actually spo- uh, sponsored by the My Pillow guy. I don't know if you're a My Pillow guy, but uh, just him, got... not the company, right? Just the guy. No, 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 yeah, I'm not talking about the pillow. I'm not talking about the pillows yeah. or, the, or the new sheets that are only grown in the Sahara Desert. Uh, Correct. <laughs> but you know, but we're just talking about that guy. He told yeah, me that yeah. I would sleep well, uh, and that he knew I would. Anyway, all right. So, what is more likely to happen? So we're gonna do a rapid fire here, AC. The first okay. one is, what's more likely to happen? Coach K shrinks the bench like he normally does, seven, eight mm-hmm. guys, or leave the rotation as it is. I think I think nine play all season. I think there will be games like we saw against Georgia State where seven guys are playing better than the nine so then those seven are going to get the majority of minutes in that game i think in the ncaa tournament i think you'll see probably about seven or eight play normally but i think throughout the season i think you'll see nine for sure play double digit minutes and and i think you'll see a 10th or 11th sneak in there with justin robinson or javin delorier or joey baker taking that last the two two of those last three spots there give us 10 10 ish guys who play somewhat regularly during the ACC stretch because that's just such a brutal stretch. You need guys rested. You need guys. Guys are going to have injuries, things like that. We'll see that. So, yeah, I, I think we still see nine, maybe even ten play almost double-digit minutes or at least double-digit minutes. Yeah, I mean, so right now you have ten guys playing double-digit minutes, and they're not mm-hmm. like peasley minutes. You know, Joey is averaging over 11 minutes a game. So, mm-hmm. and, and Max was not only playing a minute against uh, Kansas. So, he's, right. he, you know, he's right there. So, um, I'm going to say that Coach K is going to shrink the bench. Uh, I don't think it'll okay. be six or seven guys like it has been uh, for a couple of years, but I do think it will be eight guys. You know, eight is enough. That's our favorite thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I do think it'll, it'll shrink to eight. Uh, I, I do agree with you to an extent that that eighth spot could be, you know, a fluid, you know, rotation or maybe situational. Uh, you know, maybe it's Jordan Goldwire one night, maybe it's Joey Baker another uh, maybe it's jabbing, you know, uh, in, in another game. But I, I do think they host record to eight. Uh, having said that, of the three guys that I just mentioned, outside of, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I think that I think that Joey is most likely to, to earn that eighth spot of those three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, he's the guy that has the biggest upside. I personally, I think that uh, while I love what Jordan gives us an energy, uh, I think he's a liability, certainly offensively. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in the crunch time, I think he's a liability. And then additionally, I think that his half-court defense is a little bit overstated. So I think that he's more of a situational guy, which is what I think he should be. Ooh, uh, Jab- is that for the overreaction segment next week? No, I don't. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe it could be. Maybe it could be. But I think that that's the case. Um, so I think he yeah, yeah, will, like will shrink the bench to, to eight guys. But I like where we're, yeah, I okay. like this. Um, so our second one is of, th- of these three players, who is most likely to return? Trey Jones, Matthew Hurt, and Wendell Moore. Whew. Whew. 
if I'm choosing one out of the three, I'm going Trey. If I'm choosing two out of three, I'm saying Trey and Wendell. I think Matt's gone. I think the Georgia State game was not a normal Matt Hurt. Yeah, he's going to have certain struggles when it comes to banging against bigger players. He's just physically not developed yet. But he's 20 years old. He's in the same boat as Cassius. And we kind of say the same thing about Cassius. Cassius is a 20-year-old guy. We can't imagine him staying in college much longer because he's already 20, taking advantage of the potential he has left for the NBA. I think Matt's the same way. He's 20 years old. He He's also in that same boat, and he also has a, an advanced skill set that is going to show well in this draft. So I, I think un, unless unless Trey can hit the three, I, I think he's probably coming back because that's where the NBA value is on point guards. He did show an ability to get out on the break on his, by himself against Georgia State, so if he can keep showing that, that's going to be helpful. But I think Trey's coming back because of his skill set on offense, and I think Wendell, I, I do think he's going to get it together on offense and be – a really good score on offense, but I do think that he's going to be at Duke for a couple of years to develop his shot and develop his offensive game still. So I, I think it's going to be Trey Wendell. Yep, I have the same two, uh, but I think the most likely to come back would be Wendell. Uh, I okay. don't see him getting the, not necessarily the, the opportunity, but I think that his limit, his his num, uh, minutes will be limited. And and for that, I don't think that he'll be able to really showcase uh not only his athleticism, but his overall game. And we really haven't seen it uh, through the first four games. And I, I'm not sure that that really changes um, until maybe, hopefully, uh, you know, the start of the year, uh, you know, January, mid-January, in that time frame. So I believe uh, just opportunity-wise, Matthew's going to have no shortage of opportunities. He's going to have plenty of shots every single game. I do agree with you in terms of physical limitations. I would love to see Matt come back, but again, being mm-hmm. 20 years old, I don't think that that's going to happen. Not only that, but the plan has been from day one that, that he's going to be a one-and-done player, whereas yeah. Mandel, I know he wants to be a one-and-done player, uh, much like Trey last year. He just He's just not there yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that Trey ultimately leaves. I thought he would have left last year as well. Uh, Walking we have him back. I would love to have him back Ooh. for a third year, obviously, but I do think that he goes. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot okay. of that a lot of that's going to be determined on, on how he plays. But if he plays like that, uh, mm-hmm. he's obviously gone. Uh, all yeah, right, so yeah. our final one, our final one, what is more likely to improve? On a three-point shooting, will that be above 30% or on a free-throw percentage, which is hovering around 60? <laughs> which is more likely to improve? Mm. Tough one. I I can't see, with the weapons we have, I can't see us shooting at the moment was it 27% or whatever we are as a team. I can't see us staying in that realm with guys like Matt Hurt taking good shots, guys like Joey taking good shots, and guys like Alex taking good shots. We said it last week. Those are the three I want to see take threes, and you can even throw Vernon in there. I, I don't want to see Jack jacking anymore. I certainly don't want to see Javin taking oh. threes. Trey. <laughs> Trey. We'll see what he does, and we'll see how his three-point shooting goes. I mean, just like it was a bad night shooting for Matt Hurt, it could be a great night shooting for Trey, and then it never happens again. So we'll see how it goes. But with at least those three, I can't – those three are, are much better three-point shooters than anybody we had last season, and we hit 30%. So I do think that's going to improve. The free-throw shooting is going to improve over the 60% mark we're at right now. It's just over time you just become better at shooting free-throws. But I don't think it gets much better. I don't think we become – in a, a crunch time, 80% shooting shooting team from free throw 
by season's end. I think our cap is probably somewhere around 70%, and that's not hopeful for a team that you want to see win the tournament. So three-point shooting, yes, I think it will see improve. Free throw shooting, I don't think we'll see that one improve as much. Yeah, this is a really tough one. You know, again, we're shooting 30% as a team from three and just under 65% uh, as a team from the foul line. Mm-hmm. I don't see Jamin Laurier getting that many more opportunities from the line. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that, you know, as great as Trey Jones was in that game against Georgia State, he did permit, he did commit the three things that I hate the absolute most in the game mm-hmm. of basketball in college. Missing the front end of the one and one. He missed it three times. Mm-hmm. You can see there was one time where he missed it, uh, and they had a split screen with Coach Pay, and I thought Coach Pay was going to lose it. That was mm-hmm. with how great Trey played the entire game, but lo- missing that front end, he had one in the first half, two in the second half. I don't know what he was still seven of ten, but you know, you can't miss the front end of the one and one. So I kind of agree with you. I can't see us continuing to be hovering. We, we, we can't afford to hover around the 30% mark from three, though. I think Matthew Hurt, Alex O'Connell has to get going. Joey's a good three-point yeah. shooter. I do think Trey will be improved through, through the rest of the year. Vernon's taken, what, two all year and made them both? So yeah, he those is, he against is Kansas, reliable. Yeah. yeah, he's reliable. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say that our three-point shooting gets better. I think you see the number of three-point shots from both Lendell and Cassius come down, mm-hmm. uh, which I think, you know, obviously inversely – helps our, uh, our percentage go up. So I'm going to say right. that we're going to be better with the three-point percentage. Okay, yep. so let's completely shift gears. Next play. Last week was a big week for Duke. We yes, had, it was. Uh, officially, we had officially uh, all of our recruits signed their national letters of intent. Wait a minute, uh, you mean Jamin Brickfield did sign? He did he, he didn't he didn't yeah, you know, he did sign. I know a lot of the Kentucky fans out there said that he was going to uh, not sign. Okay. Uh, all right. not, of all, of all, all the right. guys, I'm not really sure why they picked him. And and <laughs> and okay, you are now allowed to talk about uh, DJ Stewart. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, we have uh, just a quick rundown. We have uh, Jalen Johnson forward mm-hmm. guard, Jeremy Roach, who I know you love. DJ Stewart, mm-hmm. a shooting guard. Couple forwards and, and Henry Coleman and and Jamin Brayfield, and then we have uh, the guy we talked about last week, the man in the middle, the Casey Sanders lookalike, Mark Williams. <laughs> I want to just start at the top. We're not going to run down all these guys, but let's talk about Jalen Johnson. He's the stud of all studs in this class. What's his game? Who does he remind you of in a Duke uniform? And what is the potential of him at Duke? You know, I, I love Jalen Johnson. I love the signing as much as, if not more than, the R.J. Barrett signing. I loved it more when it looked like we were going to have a few more top-notch scoring options to go along with him because he's a setup guy. But even still, without that, I still, I still love the signing. He's going to be somebody who's going to bring a lot to the table for us. I, in terms of a Duke uniform man, I, I don't, I don't know that we have anyone like him because he's he's a point forward. He is. He's he's not a go go get him go get your points forward. I think he can be that, and I think he'll be asked to do that some, much like Jason Tatum. But much like Jason Tatum, he started out as a point guard and is a point guard by heart, and that's what he's that's what he's gonna thrive at. So, you know, if, if we can develop some guys to score around him, that'll be great because that's gonna only make his game better. He he sets his offense by getting other guys set up first. He's not gonna be somebody work through double teams. So I, I love Jalen Johnson, six nine. 
good rebounder. Plays he plays decent defense. He doesn't play great defense, but decent defense, good enough. He's got a good energy, and and like I said, he lo- he loves setting his teammates up. So that's that's a big pickup there. Absolutely, I think he's going to be the, the star next year. You would imagine that he's going to lead our, our our roster in scoring, depending on who comes back, of course. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about breakability. You mentioned him. Uh, obviously, you know some of the Kentucky fans for the last couple of weeks apparently were saying that <laughs> he was not actually going to sign with you. I'm not really sure where that even came from. Yeah. Uh, but talk about talk about his game a little bit. Talk about his game and yeah. Do you see him? Do you see him coming into the rotation next year? I do, man. I, I don't think he's gonna have a choice. Like we're we're not gonna have much in the post. And as a floor spacer, he's there. I I have I've come around a lot on on Brickfield from the beginning. When we signed him at first, I was like, eh, I'm not not too I'm not too not too convinced about the signing in terms of things that we need. But you watch him, and he's he's a much better shooter than anyone tries to give him credit for. I want to say his stats from EYBL are somewhere around 40% from three as a six, nine player. He's a, he's a highlight reel waiting to happen. He loves searching for those highlight plays. He has to clean up the things you want to see from an interior player, or even a guy who's going to have to play some on the interior. He's not going to be back to the basket, but he's going to have to play defense on the interior. He's got to clean that up. Not a good defensive player back to the basket, not a great rebounder, not somebody who seeks those type of things. And those are the things that I wanted to see more out of him, but He's really like a almost like a shooting guard in a six nine post player's body. The the one play the thing I think I'd love to see him stay three years and develop his game. I'd love to see him do it. I don't know if it'll happen, but I really would love to see him do it because I think by year three, I think he takes a role similar to what we saw Mike Dunleavy take with the team with he and Jason Williams and Dante Jones and Carlos Boozer his final year at Duke maybe not as maybe not the all American that Dunleavy was, but that versatility, the ability to bring the ball down, the ability to set guys up with some decent passes. He's a good passer, the ability to shoot. He's he's a really, really good shooter. And just his athleticism and making those plays like Dunleavy would make, man, he's a versatile guy. He can play all over the floor. So I, I like his prospects down the road from year one. It's let's, let's see what he does. Let's give him some time to learn and adjust. Let's not judge him right off the bat. But I think he is going to be someone down the road who's, who we're really going to like in the Duke uniform. Beautiful. And you did say versatility, so all of our listeners, please take a shot. <laughs> preferably, not if, preferably not if you're driving. <laughs> uh, there we have it. We have a monster class coming in, currently slated as the number one, but we'll see if that stands. So many things can happen these days with kids signing in the spring, transfers happening. So hopefully uh, that sticks. But either way, we have a monster class coming in. Six guys signed in the mm-hmm. early signing period is pretty unbelievable. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so the future is still bright as it could be down in Durham. Let's wrap this thing up with uh, the yep. Empire Classic. Next Starting this Thursday, uh, up in Madison Square Garden, Duke tips off. It says 9 p.m. on the deuce. However, <laughs> we know that uh, with Texas and Georgetown playing at 7, you know, we're not going to tip off until probably 9.30 <laughs> to 9.40. Um, mm-hmm. So let's start with the Duke matchup against Cal uh, before yeah. we talk about who who we did, we could potentially face if we move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. No, I I like this Cal team. Mark Fox is a coach. He he doesn't move the needle for me. I, he can you can take him or leave him as a coach. I thought he did some okay things with Georgia, but he has a squad at, at Cal that is at least they at least 
a bunch. They have a different options. They they have different guys who can score the ball. They have Matt Bradley. He's one of our favorite favorite players in all of college. I I loved his his game in high school coming out. Uh, he was never a Duke target, but I just I loved his tenacity. The dude is just he's an animal. He just goes after everything. He goes after boards. He he loves to score. <laughs> if anybody loves to score the basketball, it's Matt Bradley. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch to see who we put on him and who can hang with him and handle him because he's a six five body. That just like Coach Hay wants Wendell to be a battering ram. That's what he is, but he also offers a, a, a ridiculous jump shot as well. He's a good shooter, so it's going to be a tough defensive matchup to see how we play against them. So, I, 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 yes, we're going to win this game, but I'm not going to write this off as just some easy victory. Cal's going to be tough, and I think they'll be ranked at some point this season. They're they're a pretty good team, so I, it's a good matchup. I can't wait to see this one. Yeah, Matt Bradley's averaging over 21 points a game on nearly mm-hmm. 56% shooting and almost 90% from the line. Yep. Do you see Jack White there? Do you see Cash starting off? And then who do you like to start Ooh, the game off again? I would love to see – I would love for Wendell to be able to play good enough offense where he can stay on the floor and really show us what he can do on defense. He hasn't even shown – on defense, really, the stuff I think he can do on D. I think he's been a little slow-footed at times, and his positioning and angles have been bad on D to allow guys to get in to get inside to the rim. He's he's a better defender than that, and I would love to see him on Matt Bradley because I think in terms of quickness and strength, he can hang with him. I think Jack is a little slow-footed for him, but Jack is a good defender and he knows what he's doing. So I think that's who will I think we'll see him switch on him at times. But I, I would love to see Wendell. And I think Cassius could handle it too, but I'd really love to see Wendell on him. All right, give me a score. I'm going to say Duke 81, Cal 75 in this one. Things will be close. Yeah you're, yeah, you're really close to what I got. I'm going to say 79 to 74. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really right there. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. So the other game, the first game of the night at the Garden is Texas against Georgetown. You don't need to break down the game. Do you expect Texas to win that game? I do. I, I do. I think uh, Texas they they look they don't look very great. They don't they don't look they don't look together but have Jericho Sims and Matt Coleman and Andrew Jones playing well. Andrew Jones, that story is amazing. The kid had I believe it was was it leukemia or non non uh non Hodgkins? I, I don't, I don't remember, remember which, but I but know he had, that his story, yeah. his story is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And the fact that he, yeah. he's not coming back as a player who is just like, oh, let's put him in at the end of a blowout and give him a couple yeah. baskets for the fans. He's the second leading scorer behind Matt Coleman. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's, he's shown that he, he can do it. Like it's, it's his story is incredible. So they're a great story and they're a good team. Shaka Smart is, is a really good coach. He's a better coach than Patrick Ewing. Pat's back in the garden, all that, that you have that whole storyline there. You have the ACC connection for Duke with Omer Yurt seven with, and he's playing well for them right now. But I think Texas is going to be proved to be too much for, for Georgetown in the end there. And so who do you like then? Let's presume that it's going to be yep. Duke versus Texas for the championship. Who do you like? I, I like Duke in that game. It's going to be, it's going to be a hard fought game. You have the, the Matt Coleman connection there. That's a guy we we thought we were going to grab there for a little yeah. while, so I, I think there's going to be a little bit of that revenge factor there for him. I'm sure he'll he'll score 25 points uh, in that game, but I think that's going to be a low scoring, tough nosed affair. I think Jericho Sims down low is going to be very tough for our team to handle, but I do think we squeak out a victory. I think we see Trey Jones's first 
game-winning shot in this one, and I'm going to wow. say Duke seventy, Duke seventy-four, Texas seventy-three. Calling a game winner, I like it. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. If Matt, I think if Matt Coleman scores twenty-five, it's going to be a really, really hard-earned <laughs> twenty-five. Uh, I don't see uh, a guy going up against Trey Jones putting on twenty-five, uh, assuming that that would be the uh, the matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I like Duke uh, until proven otherwise. I like Duke. Give me them, and I think it's going to be a nail butter. Give me 69 to 66. I think it's going to be, again, another low-scoring game. But, hey, we're going up to Madison Square Garden. We're already 1-0 out there this season. Let's go ahead and let's get our first championship of the season at the Empire Classic. Hey, let's get it, buddy. Go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the 5-Point Play Podcast the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at five point play podcast and on Twitter five point play podcast. Go Duke.